Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. The Hateful Eight have arrived to crash the party in the Big 12 for Oklahoma and Kansas in the final year of the league, it appears. Kansas takes down Oklahoma yesterday. K-State looks red hot before they take on Texas next week. Who got a good win with Malik Murphy at the head. Iowa State gets win number five on the season. Oklahoma State pounds Cincinnati and more from the day in Big 12 action. This is Reaction Sunday here on the Neighborhood Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. This is Crystal Ball College Football here on the Big 12 Watch. There's a new news that we've got for you folks. We are changing from the Neighborhood Watch to the Big 12 Watch. The reason why we're doing that is because uh, Neighborhood Watch can be tough to find sometimes, and you all have seen me from my old days, my new show, whatnot. People sometimes say, glad to find you. I was hard to find you. So we are now the Big 12 Watch. Best place to find five-plus days a week of Big 12 content is there. If you don't believe that statement on its face, go to at Neighbors underscore, where you all can find my Big 12 bread truck back it up picks. Yesterday, five and one against the spread picking Big 12 action on the year, 29 and 18 overall. So if you want a bankroll, uh, maybe some investments in the NFL, uh, you know, some some college hoops, if you wanted to place a sizable wager on Francis Ngannou yesterday against Tyson Fury and, hey, you're mad at the judging, well, don't be too mad. If you, if you do the Big 12 picks, that'll pay for it. No worries at all. 29 and 18, giving you all winners each week. Starting to see this league pretty clearly, it feels like at this point in time. My dumbass trusted Baylor yesterday. It's the only miss that we had. Won't do that again. All right, folks. Uh, once again, at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore are the places you guys can find me. Uh, and also, get this podcast, the Big 12 Watch, wherever you all get your podcast. So, let's get to the action yesterday. I did a reaction show live and then posted again for Kansas 38, Oklahoma uh, 33. And I just want to touch on this kind of in a general sense. So, for most of the year, the hateful eight schools, the eight remaining schools in the Big 12, we're really up and down, right? There, I mean, we had the Oklahoma State moment, uh, faux pas, if you will, against South Alabama. Iowa State lost a game to uh, um, to Ohio, which was obviously a bad moment. Uh, then you know you had Kansas State with the loss earlier on in the season when they went to or that they were at home, uh, actually on the road against Missouri, right? They lost that game, and that that one's not that. It's, it's pretty forgivable now if you see how good Missouri is. But these schools that we thought would contend and TCU is Colorado, like these schools that we thought had a chance to contend, were not doing so, right? They were, at least early on, they looked like they were middle-of-the-pack schools. But as these schools typically do, they've rallied from their poor starts and they have become now stalwarts. And here's the thing, guys. I think a lot of these schools, we're going to see them in the top 25. You know, you think about it, the top 25 is not out yet. But you think about Kansas at 6-2, and two, Right, I expect to see them in the top 25. K-State is 6-2. and two. I expect to see them in the top 25. Iowa State's 5-3. and three. I expect to see them receiving votes. 
and Oklahoma State is six and two, I expect to see them in the top 25 or receiving votes, right? So in a year where majority of the time like that we've been actually playing football, the ranked teams have been Oklahoma and Texas, it feels like that's about to shift. It feels like that storyline's about to take a different turn, and it feels like these schools are about to get some more respect. And honestly, guys, like we're gonna this league, there's gonna be a whole lot of figuring out that we have to do next week because before we get more into the results, I want to just show you guys what this league picture looks like as we stand right now because it this thing's about to get wild and crazy, right? Uh, and I actually don't think this week was wild and crazy. The Oklahoma game was, but most of their games were blowouts. And that has now given way to these teams showing that they are the top teams in the league and also now facing big games next week against each other, right? So if you look, and, and all these teams are tied, right? The, all of these teams up top are tied. They got one, two, three, four, five teams. Five teams are four and one. And then, hey, we got to toss Kansas in there because they had a near miss in Stillwater, a game they could have won. And also, they just beat Oklahoma, who is the number one team in the league. And I'm just going to say they're number one right now just because that's, that's where they are. But if you think about next week's schedule, uh, number one, Oklahoma State is playing, who's, I'm just list, down the list right now, uh, number three, Oklahoma State, number four, Texas, and number five, K-State, number two, Iowa State is taking on number six, Kansas, right? So every single team in that top six, and I'm going to say those are our top six right now, West Virginia, if you want to do a top seven, but every team in the top six is going to play each other next week, right? So this is a big moment in terms of tiebreakers. We're going to have a couple championship favorites emerge. Um, I would say the winner of the Texas K-State game, that, that, is, that is a front runner to be in the Big 12 title game, right? The winner of Bedlam has to be considered in there, especially with their schedules, to be a member of the Big 12 title game. So there's tons on the line next week, and that has been set up not by Oklahoma and Texas. Sure, it's been set up by them being good as well, but we've needed a rally from those other schools to make sure that these games look like they're going to be tough, competitive football games now. And man, Oklahoma better watch the hell out, right? Let's talk about that game yesterday. So the run defense for them was really bad, and uh, I thought it was a little, better, a little bit better yesterday, but still... Kansas has a lot of success rushing the football. And that is one of those things that looking forward, we need to think about for Oklahoma, right? Can you lean on Dylan Gabriel enough to win you games? And also, will you be able to stop the run from different teams? Back-to-back -back weeks, that is going to be put to the test, right? Uh, Oklahoma State is going to test your ability to stop the run. They're able to do so because of one man, Ollie Gordon, who we'll get to in a little bit. Right. But I mean, you know, UCF did have a hundred yard rusher last week. Now, Oklahoma only allowed 3.6 per carry. So not terrible against UCF. But yesterday, Kansas, especially early in the game, really was able to move that football at will on the ground. And they end up rushing for five and a half a carry, four scores as well. Longest rush of the day was 38 yards. So it's not like they hit one massive explosive play. It was pretty consistent. The, the job at Devin Neal. And Daniel Highshaw and Jason Bean had the long run, right? The 38-yarder was the touchdown. I would say the scamper from him is a good way to describe that. Um, and look, like Kansas once again proves to all of us, proves to all of us how good of a program they are. 
They are bouncing back from losses. They are scoring important victories. They're able to do it with the backup quarterback, and they're able to do it yesterday with a, a slew of guys going down to the defensive end. That is a credit to the job that Lance Leipold has done, building this roster, building a championship culture, allowing coaches like Andy Kotelnicki to absolutely cook and get in his bag like he was yesterday. Lance Leipold right now is pulling all the right strings on this team. And I even mean that after losses. I'm not saying it's this is not K-State's on a roll right now. This is even after losses, we're still getting victories against quality opponents because we go back to the drawing board and we say, all right, new opponent, new week. I mean, guys, last week, last year, one loss turned into a bunch for them. And look, they were banged up down the stretch. Yeah, sure. But 2022 Kansas, go look at the schedule, folks. Uh, up until uh, October 1st, five wins, no losses. From October 8th all the way through December 28th, we'll count the bowl game too, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven losses, one win. If you look at this season and ask what is different, Texas on the road, loss. What happened the next week? UCF 29-point victory over UCF. UCF has become more competitive now. That game was not, right? That game was not. Oklahoma State, 39-32 loss in Stillwater. What do you do? You get the week off, you come out, and you stun Oklahoma, 38-33. Iowa State, man, that could be uphill for them. Guys, also, 6 o'clock, ESPN next week. 6 o'clock on ESPN, we're going to do Iowa State hosting KU. That's just a big fist pump for this league. It's a, that's all it is. It's a big fist pump, right? But I'm excited to see if they can parlay that win. Or is it a loss, and then they bounce back again? Either way, like, this is program building, 101. This is program building. This is how programs get built. It's not just the wins. It's the losses and how you respond to those losses. And Lance Leipold and country, uh, country and company are doing so. All right, so what else was big yesterday? Well, I'm going to go to, because I think it's most important to the Big 12 championship race, let's go to Kansas State 41, Houston 0. I told you all last week that I thought Houston was in an incredibly vulnerable spot. You could look at their performance against Texas and say this, well, they played awesome and they, and they belong in that field with Texas and they got screwed and uh, they are a competitive team. Or you could look at it the way I did and said, man, that West Virginia game took a lot out of you as did that Texas game and you're banged up, right? They lost some guys in the offense. Man, Jack was out. I forget who was out for them. Uh, I think Caesar was out for them on the defensive line, I believe, yesterday. And uh, this is a bad spot, and it was. Will Howard ripped them apart at the beginning of the game. Uh, Avery Johnson, you know, is, was strong in relief. They ran the ball, uh, you know, four yards of carry, but still ran for 179 yards and three touchdowns, and a lot of that late. I mean, this game was out of hand in a hurry, and they were able to distribute this football all the way. I mean, the, the one thing you want to see when you watch a K-State game, so I had I got YouTube TV yesterday. I made the change because I wanted that quad box. But I had the dual box going on the TV. I had West Virginia UCF left side, and then I had K-State and Houston right side. And then on my computer in front of me, I because I wanted the audio one and pay full attention, I had Kansas and Oklahoma. And uh, every time I looked up, man, like it was a different player getting the ball. And so when you – you know, usually I'll be following like a big game on the box score. So I had the box score for OU and Kansas on my phone as well. I really was tracking that one. And so when I checked the, uh, the K-State box score after the game, what you want to see is a full box score, right, for them. Because their best games last year when they were distributing the ball to as many folks as possible, 
That was the case yesterday. They were getting the ball to Brooks and Oakley and Giddens and Swanson and uh, Treshawn Ward and uh, even the the quarterback box score, right? Howard, Johnson, and Rubley all get into effect. It felt like K-State could have scored 100 if they really wanted to in this game. And that is what you want to see. I had so many questions. I'll, I'll, I'll remember this pretty well, you know, about this season. So I work high school football. And on a Friday night uh, a few weeks ago, whenever that game was against Oklahoma State, I had it on my phone. And, um, you know, then I had a game cast once the high school game started. And I remember just looking at, at the results and seeing what was happening and seeing these drives and turnovers or just peter out and thinking, man, like, Chris Kleiman could turn this thing around this year, but maybe they're just not that team. Maybe they're not the group they were from last year. And the, the hallmark of last year's teams, last year's team, I should say, is the fact that they, you look at those losses, those losses are massive inflection points on the 2022 schedule. 17-10 against Tulane on September 17th in Manhattan. That's followed up by three straight wins, 41-34 at OU, 37-28 against Texas Tech, and 10-9 against Iowa State. And all of those wins featured something character-wise, right? Adrian Martinez goes bonkers against OU on the road. Texas Tech was kind of a stalemate until the very end part of the game. 10-9 was a rock fight win that you win in Farmageddon. And they had the 38-28 loss against TCU. And that game was strange because, to me, you know, it was one of those where it was like, oh, K-State looks really good and the injury's happy. Like, ah, oh, this team should be able to absorb that a little bit, just handle that a little bit better, right? You'd think that they'd handle a situation like that a bit better. They did not. Well, next week, it was a 48-0 curb stomping of then number nine, Oklahoma State, right? So resounding win there. Then you have the Texas game the following week. Okay, so it's up and down at this point. They rip off 31-3 at Baylor, 48-31 at West Virginia. 47-27 against Kansas, 31-28 Big 12 championship game against TCU. That last run might be coming a bit earlier for this K-State team. They are rounding into form. And honestly, what you're seeing now, what you saw yesterday, was a Will Howard-led effort. This was mostly Will Howard yesterday that got the job done for, um, for K-State. And here, here is why that's important. The one thing that is really tough to do against Kansas, or against Kansas, against Texas, is run the football. It is a massive undertaking to run the rock well against the Texas Longhorns front. You think about who has done it, and I've said this a whole lot this year. The one team, and honestly, the one guy who has done this well was Dylan Gabriel. Dylan Gabriel ran the football really well against Oklahoma or against Texas. Some of it was scrambling. Some of it was, was designed, but he's the one guy who's done it. Nobody else really has done it. BYU yesterday did not do it. Kansas did not do it to great effect in that game. Houston did not do it effectively at all. Right. So when you think about how and, and, uh, Kansas ran for 124 yards, but I mean, like, was it a consequential 124 yards, right? They're able to move the clock and keep that thing, you know, close-ish. But that is the most complex run game in the country, and it's hard to stop flat out. 
And that game was not close because they could not, you know, uh, meaningfully keep up and they couldn't do it just by running for five pot. Like they needed to hit some more explosive plays and uh, they hit a, a couple big runs, but nothing like massive ended up mattering. So K state is going to need a good will Howard. They're going to need good Avery Johnson too. And, and to scheme some stuff up, but that passing attack is as on point as it was at any point this season. I remember watching that Oklahoma State game. He looked lost. The receivers looked lost. They're starting to find ways to move the football down the field at all different parts of the field with the passing game. And it is a variety show right now in the passing game. And it's going to have to be that. I think it's going to have to be more the passing game next week. But this thing for Case, that's a top 25 team. That might be a top 20 team. They're a hammer. The big purple machine is back. And, and Texas better look the F out. That is, that is a serious – that is the most serious game they're going to play all year. All right, this is – and they beat them last year, and that, that, was, that was Texas's best win, in my opinion, last season. Texas' best win was not the 48-0 over Oklahoma. It was them going, in, going into Manhattan and playing the way they did. But right now, folks, this is a big purple hammer in Manhattan. 38-21 against Tech. 41-3 against TCU, 41-0 against Houston. You might say, Josh, those teams aren't good. Yeah, they didn't look very good. They don't look very good when they play K-State. K-State is rocking and rolling on offense. And the defense yesterday, too. Sorry, I haven't even mentioned the defense yet. What a performance from them yesterday. Five tackles for loss. Um, one sack, I believe. But the big story for them is 208 total yards of offense allowed. Three for 14 on third down and O for four on third down. I always ask this every single week, three things. Did you get off the field? Did you commit more penalties? <laughs> and did you turn the ball over more? Uh, they got off the field. They committed less penalties. They turned the ball over less. That's uh, that's one way traffic in Manhattan. All right. That's, that's what the Holland tunnel that we're taking down there. That's one-way traffic into Manhattan, or I guess coming out of Manhattan, you should say it's one-way traffic. That one-way traffic is headed to Austin next week. Hell's coming with them, boys. Hell is coming with them. Fired up for that next week. All right, let's talk about Iowa State getting a win over Baylor because they're another team towards the top of the league. Iowa State 30, Baylor 18. The Rocco backed experience uh, continues to be a good one, and Baylor's run defense continues to be bad. Iowa State is not this unbelievable rushing team, but they had 35 carries for 162, two scores, that's 4.6, a tote. Cartavius Norton, the big one, a 49-yard rushing touchdown on the day. Uh, 49-yard rush, excuse me. Uh, and then he found the end zone two times. This Iowa State team, guys, if you look at how they scored. So yesterday, there was a funny box score going around. Georgia Tech scored, I think, 24 in the second quarter, zero in the first, 24 in the second, zero in the third, and then 22 in the fourth. Iowa State yesterday, seven, 10, 10, three. All right? That is a balanced breakfast. This is a team right now that has got a lot of confidence that went on the road yesterday and picked up another win. That's five and three, four and one. And the thing about Iowa State players in this group in particular there have been a lot of guys who are thrust into spots they did not expect to be in, right? They replaced a lot of the last couple's, couple of years' teams, even last year's team, right, with a guy like a Will McDonald out the door. And even the guy, you know, at, at quarterback, Hunter Deckers, who, like, I thought would get better because sometimes one year of learning is what you need to improve. Bunch of guys being thrust into those positions 
and they're doing really well. Yesterday, eight tackles for loss, four pass deflections, and then two sacks on the day. A defense that in totality yesterday, uh, you know, not perfect, and Baylor goes for a lot on fourth down, but they were, uh, they were able to get off the field more often. The big difference, nine for 15 on third down was Iowa State. Four for 14 on third down was Baylor. It felt like in the margins, Iowa State was better. They jumped out to an early lead. Baylor can play catch up, but they don't want to. And this Baylor rushing attack just cannot get going consistently. Too much is on Blake Shapin. Too much is on Monterey Baldwin. And yesterday it was Dawson Pendergrass. And that's not a guy physically, athletically you want to be riding right now. Baylor still got a lot of questions to ask. Are they done winning games this year? I don't think they are. They've got Houston at home, at K-State, at TCU in West Virginia. But a bowl game feels like it's pretty much out of reach for Baylor. And that is something I did not think we'd be saying to start the year. On the flip side, we'll talk more about them later on. But Iowa State, guys, um, I am. I can once again not tell you. I, there's no words to express how impressed I am. And look, Iowa State is the team that is ultimately going to have their say. I would say right now, the Big 12 championship runs through the state of Kansas, right? To get there, Texas is going to have to have beaten both uh, Kansas teams, right? That's the case. They've already done it to the Jayhawks. Can they do it against the Wildcats is a huge question. The Big 12 championship runs through the state of Kansas right now. Obviously, too, because they have the defending champion. But the one team it feels like that's going to have their say and who goes to the Big 12 championship game is Iowa State. And hell, it could be them. But the rest of the way, they have got Kansas, who not in the immediate running, right? But they're their one loss back. And next week, because all of these teams at the top play them, I mean, guys, if, if Iowa State wins next week, uh, you know, there's two other teams that are playing other teams with one loss, which means two more teams will drop, drop down. That means Iowa State will be alone with somebody else at the top of the league if they beat Kansas next week. They also have Texas at home, and they're at K-State and Farmageddon on the final Saturday. They might not be in it, but... Iowa State's going to have their say in who goes to the Big 12 championship game and who plays in it. And it might be them. And I cannot tell you why it would be them because this team on paper is, is roster deficient. But boy, are we a long way from Matt Campbell yelling at a fan after the Ohio game. And you know what? Maybe it's just this simple, guys. Iowa State finds guys who fit what they do. And also, they get better. The one thing that happens at Iowa State is you get better. Now, that Brock Purdy group, hey, maybe they maxed out a bit too early. Uh, Brees Hall, you were always maxed, brother. We don't want to we throw any stones there. Uh, Brees Hall was always, Brees Lightning was always great. But this Iowa State team, the one they can guarantee with their players, they get better. And all of these guys up front at quarterback, like is it still perfect with Rocco Beck? No, but they're getting better. The Big 12 championship, it runs through the state of Kansas. But uh, if you want to go, you might have to take a trip up to Ames and earn your stripes first because they are going to have shots. They already had Oklahoma that was earlier in the year that was on the road. But KU, the game against KU next week is huge considering what else is happening. They have to go to BYU, which could be tough considering the style of play that Iowa State has. But they still have Texas at home 
which is a massive game. It feels like all of a sudden that feels like, oh my God, November 18th. If Texas makes it to the Iowa State game, you want to talk about, and still going to be rocking anyway, but you want to talk about a massive opportunity. That game, Texas versus Iowa State. Ooh boy, that's going to be something else. Big 12 championship, you want to go? You got to earn it with the boys and names. They're the gatekeepers. And hell, they might turn you around. They might say, go, nah, you can't go in the club. We're going anyway, too. So uh, fired up for them. They're one win away from a bowl, too, which is super impressive considering how the season's gone for them. All right, let's talk about West Virginia getting the job done against UCF. We'll talk about some of these new schools, too, uh, as well. But West Virginia deserves a ton of credit. All right. 41-28. I was worried. I thought UCF would win this game. Body blow effect. I picked West Virginia to cover because eh, these new Big 12 schools have not been dispatching of the old Big 12 schools with relative ease. I think it's pretty fair to say, right? Uh, so much so that the only win currently, uh, there's two wins right now from new Big 12 schools over uh, old remaining Hateful Eight members. And one was off a Hail Mary and one was BYU against Texas Tech with a third string quarterback who turned the ball over five times in a game that statistically they were outplayed in, but still West Virginia though, 41 28 here. And look guys, it was, it was a rushing attack. We mentioned this before UCF's rushing defense has been pretty porous this year. And one guy who has not gotten going is CJ Donaldson. He had a really good game against Pitt. Now, he scored a lot, but the consistency in terms of, hey, what are we doing in the rushing game? For him, I'll give you all Big 12 play. For, uh, 15 for 48 at 3.2 a tote. 22 for 61 it's 2.8 a tote. 17 for 66 at 3.9 a tote. 13 for 39 it's 3 yards a tote. 17 for 121 on the score. And also got to shout out Jaheim White as well. Jaheim White was really impressive rushing the football yesterday. And the game where Garrett Green doesn't go crazy, guys, guess what Garrett Green does? They mentioned this in the broadcast. Garrett Green had as many rushing touchdowns in a game for a West Virginia quarterback since the one West Virginia quarterback we all know, Pat White. That is an accomplishment. That guy is a gamer. And also, once again, like I... He hit some big pass plays, man. He is getting a lot better as a passer. And is the prettiest? No. But they showed a graphic during the game. If you look at his production as a passer in terms of yards, and the reason why yards aren't always an important stat, but to me, they show a couple things. Okay, can you chase a game, right, if you need to, right? Can you rack up yards, chase a game? Um, and, and they actually can a little bit. And also, too, you know, like, are we moving the football effectively in the passing game? And they can do that. And, uh, you know, they can do it when called upon as well. And I'll tell you what, one guy that I am continually impressed with is Devin Carter. Just after all that time in NC State, in the, and uh, he has ups and downs, right? Goes to West Virginia, and it's a rushing-based offense. But now they've made him the focal point. And he was awesome in that loss to Houston. He was decent in the game against West Virginia or against Oklahoma State, did catch touchdown. But it feels like whenever they need a big conversion, they can rely on their big 6'3 senior, right? They can go and they can find him. And it felt like they did that to great effect. Having a guy like that does help. It's a weirdly constructed receiving core, right? It, it just feels like it is a weird one. But they're able to move the football effectively. They're able to actually hit some pretty explosive passing plays. They didn't hit a bunch of explosive ones yesterday, but they, they moved the chains enough on third down, it felt like. 
They were seven for 15 on third down. Now, the one thing was they were not able to get off the field very often, and that's why it felt like these drives kept going. But they turned over. The big thing was they turned over UCF a whole lot. John Rice Pumley was not very good. They were in a negative game state a lot of way. They were chasing this game, and they caused a lot of problems for, for UCF because they're able to control the clock, make them play from behind. They ran the football effectively. I will say this, too, from a big-picture standpoint. This win it is massive. It is a massive win. And I'll tell you all this. Um, I think Neil Brown's job is pretty safe because if they lose this game, it's three straight, and I think the, the calculus changes. But they've got BYU at home next week. They're at Oklahoma. They've got Cincinnati on the road, and then they're at Baylor. So they should be able to at least win two of those. Um, I think they should be able to win three. Uh, I think three wins for them in that stretch is doable. At Oklahoma, tough. But they should give Oklahoma a tough game, especially if you're still worried about the Oklahoma run defense. They should give them a tough game. Um, even if they go six and six, you know, disappointing finish to the season. But I want to see this thing through with quarterback and coach. Because there are situations where it feels like a coach is not getting the most out of quarterback. I feel like Neil Brown has empowered Garrett Green. And Neil Brown also empowered himself for the play calling. And so I would say that to me, with Neil Brown, he has put Garrett Green in as good of a situation as anybody. And so I'm not saying all parts of the roster are being maximized, but I feel like on offense especially, they're maximizing. The offense is not the problem. It felt like it was going to be low scoring and, and you know, uh, like pile drive your head into a wall type games, especially after the TCU game. I'm like, man, can they win a game where 35 will win it? And look, 41-39 Houston, it's off a of Hail Mary at the end, but their 39 could have been good enough to beat the 30, whatever it was, 35 that Houston had. The Oklahoma State game, you need a bit more out of your defense. But in this game, you know, the you were able to, to win a high score, high, higher scoring game. And so I think with that, I'm pretty confident in what they did. And um, I would give Neil Brown another year based off that. I, I know, I, I think I've changed my tune on this because before the year I was saying like, you need, you need a clear identity. And for them, it still is running the football, right? But as a passer, like it's a new element. So I'm not saying they have to be the run team all the time because if the new thing has presented itself, then use that new thing. And the passing attack for them is a useful weapon. It was yesterday on third down. It wasn't the primary thing. A couple weeks ago, maybe it might have been more primary. But that rushing attack was huge, and they were able to run the ball effectively uh, You know, yesterday, and then the passing attack came in where it needed. So West Virginia still, I mean, uh, are they going to win the Big 12? No, they're 3-2 and two in the league. They're still right there. Um, but, I mean, they're going to have a chance to be like in the conversation at the end of the year. Uh, the big problem for them is when you look at the teams they've played up, up towards the top, you know, Oklahoma State's the one big one because their schedule actually ironically – ended up being pretty nice. The only other team they play it's in the big 12 title chase is, um, is Oklahoma and they've got a loss to Oklahoma state. So this is the weird part about their schedule. Cause they drew tech. Who's not in it. TCU's not in it. Houston's not in it. UCS's not in it. BYU's not in it. Cincinnati's not in it. And Baylor's not in it. They drew all this. They drew the seven teams that are just outside the big 12 championship to, uh, chase. And, and right now they're, they've beaten most of them. Once again, the Houston game is the only kind of blemish, on this record. And look, this could be a team guys, you know, the Oklahoma state game. I don't think they should have won that game. This should be a six and two football team. In my opinion it should be a six and two team. They should be very happy with the team. They have Morgantown this year. All right. Let's talk about Texas. Ooh, boy. Uh, BYU was bad. We knew that. I actually don't think they played terribly. I'll, 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 I'll posit this. Some folks have gotten on me. I have been too mean about BYU. I will, can, I will agree with that. I just, I think yesterday kind of exposed a lot of things like, 
they were trying to be opportunistic yesterday, but they did not cash in. Uh, I was not overly impressed with Malik Murphy, but he was good enough. That effort, though, this week that they that Texas had, that does not beat K-State next week. You might say, Josh, they won by 29. Yes, they did. But if you screw up like that, the game's going to be different. BYU had some early chances to take on Texas and, and, and make this game, you know, make the early stages at least, a bit more uncomfortable. Um, and they did not do that. The three turnovers, the BYU, they had to win the turnover battle. And they had a chance to because of the situation, obviously, Texas, the back quarterback. They did not take advantage of that. They needed to be better on third down. They were not. They were 3 of 14 on third down. They were better on fourth down, but they were still 3 of 14 on third down. They needed to run, try to at least run the ball somewhat effectively because they cannot just rely on the passing game. They couldn't do that. That's a credit to Texas defense, man. Texas defense gets after you, and they did again in this game. And uh, they end up having 12 tackles for loss, two, uh, two sacks, and then six pass deflections. They were in the backfield all day. They were living in the backfield all day. They ran for 5.3 a carry. I mean, it was it was all kind of what you wanted to see. A workman like, uh, you know, 16 for 98 for Jonathan Brooks. And look, they don't. I don't think they want to run Malik Murphy because I don't think they want to put Arch Manning out there. I think Arch Manning guys they want a red shirt. Now here's the deal: they only have four games left, so I don't think he's played yet this year. So I think they're safe on that front, right? Yeah, he's not he's not thrown a pass yet. So they actually can incorporate him into the lineup if they want to get a red shirt. I mean, I would just take it just because you never know. It's college football. Sure. So I would get him that red shirt just for the player. But um, they can use him now some. But I mean, once again, this guy's coming from two A football in Mississippi or Tennessee, wherever he was. Uh, it's a big adjustment. It's a big adjustment. And they are playing some tough games down the stretch. So I would not want to introduce him to that. But Murphy had some strong moments. He had some bad moments. I am curious as to how often they're going to want to put this thing in the air against uh, against Kansas State next week. But this one was all about their defense to me because this was a 21-6 to game in the fourth quarter, and there were some moments where it could have gotten spicier, I guess you could say, right? Um, but you look at these drives in the end of the game. I mean, this is second, the second half, that's how it went for BYU. Three plays, turnover on downs. Seven plays, 68 yards of field goal. Three plays, six yards punt. Eight for 29 INT. 10 for 66 downs. Two for negative seven fumble. Four for 35 end of game. Um, it was, I mean, it was substantial. It was substantial. And, and they are, their defense is overwhelming to lesser opponents. You look at the Texas schedule and you say, all right, what lesser opponent has played, you know, has really gotten them on the offensive side of things. Um, Houston had a moment last week where they were moving that ball all over them, but it was through the passing game, right? That is how Houston moved the football on them because Houston ran the ball last week, 19 times for 14 yards. So that's not how, you know, and one team that did it, Oklahoma, uh, was one team in general, right? So in terms of inferior teams, like who really offensively made a big impact? It was, it was, uh, it was Houston who was the one battling with them. They'll, they'll crush an inferior opponent. They're so much better now at using their physicality and their type of athletes to impose their will on teams than they were before. They're much better at that up front because they had these type, they didn't have these types of guys, but they had like, you know, decent players up front. And now those guys look like they're world beaters as they should. I think that's pretty safe to say that these guys should look like world beaters up front and they're starting to do so. All right. One more game to get to. 
here from the earlies or here from the, uh, the big 12 games yesterday, uh, Oklahoma state 45 Cincinnati, 13 Las Vegas, Nevada. Stop giving one score spreads in Cincinnati games. This one was, I mean, I was betting this thing early in the week. I was betting this thing late in the week and folks, Ollie Gordon, uh, he's your big 12 offensive player of the year right now. Full stop. No, there's, there's nobody else to vote for. Uh, sorry. There's no, you, no, no, you can't vote for anybody else right now. Ollie Gordon is the big 12 offensive player of the year with a freaking bullet 25 yesterday for 271 and two scores. This is Ollie Gordon's big 12 run. 18 for 121, 21 for 136, a score, 29 for 168, a score in the ground, six for 116 in the air, a score catching the rock, uh, 29 for 282 and four scores last week and up that in terms of yards per carry with 25 for 271 and two scores this week, but he did fumble. He did lose that fumble. Ollie, what are we doing? Uh, on the year guys, he's over a thousand yards. 7.7 per tote, 10 scores on the year uh, on the ground. And uh, eight of those have come in the Big 12 Conference. He's got nine total in the league. What else could you ask from a kid? And I'll tell you guys this. This looks like 2021 Oklahoma. Now, or Oklahoma State rather, this defense is not as good as that defense was, but they do have some playmakers on this defense, a guy like a Nick Martin who had two TFLs yesterday and a sack along with 12 tackles. They've got my guy, Colin Oliver, who every single game is at least for some kind of negative play, right? They are turning teams over. They did yesterday. Uh, they forced two turnovers. And you know, yesterday enough, they got off the field in third and fourth down. So they are doing enough on the defensive side. And then Alan Bowman as a quarterback yesterday, 50% completion percentage, so not great. 284, 286, two touchdowns and an INT. Not perfect. And at times it seemed like they were stuck in neutral, right? That first half was what, 10 7 eventually ended up being. But my God, the second half, they outscored uh they outscored Cincinnati 35 to 6. That's what good teams do. Mike Gundy has got this thing rolling. And I'll tell you what, this was a primer for next week. Um, because they and they're in the stretch right now, guys where they have got four of five games at home. They had K-State at home. They made the most. They had KU at home. They made the most. They had to go to Morgantown. They got the job done. They have Cincy at home, and they have OU at home. The good news for them is three of those teams I mentioned, and even four if you want to be generous and include West Virginia. That wasn't a home game. It was a road game. Three of those four teams, K-State, KU, uh, Oklahoma, and Cincy, that they get at home in this stretch are all contending for a big 12 title right now, or all at least have their hat in the ring. And they have gotten tiebreakers over two of them right now. Three, if you want to count West Virginia, right? The only team they don't have a tiebreaker over was at Iowa state, September 23rd. Um, and so a chance next week and look like this isn't Oklahoma's entire season next week, but Bedlam two thirty, ABC market down guys. The big 12 next week is fantastic. I know all of college football next week's fantastic. Missouri and Georgia, LSU, Alabama, but the big 12 is going to be figuring this thing out in real time next week. And you want to be a part of that. Uh, Ollie Gordon, one more note on this because we've used so much hyperbole, but I don't think we need hyperbole to describe how good this is. 
Ollie Gordon, the second, this is from OSU stats and info. And I think this is a, um, yeah, it's from the athletic department. Ollie Gordon joined Barry Sanders as the only two players in Oklahoma state history to rush for more than 250 yards in consecutive games. That has never happened before in the history of Oklahoma state besides these two guys. And I mentioned last week, he joined an elite club. He joined uh, Kendall Hunter. He joined Barry Sanders did it four times. He joined Thurman Thomas as well as Oklahoma state backs to go for 250 and four scores. Uh, those, I mean, Kendall Hunter, even if you want to say like NFL career, whatever, he was a um, two-time All-American first team, I believe. Thurman Thomas ends up being an NFL Hall of Famer. Barry Sanders is the GOAT. Uh, the uh, At least, I mean, I think we like, I think pretty widely acknowledged as the GOAT running back, right? This kid's special. It's, I mean, it's, it's a play, like B. John Robinson, Brees Hall. Um it's a pleasure to watch those guys run the football each week. There's a certain art to running the football, right? Uh, there's what Kansas does, and Kansas has really talented backs. There's an art to running the football. There is. The way Andy Kotelnicki designs his offenses at Kansas, it's, it's like fantastic to watch. But there's just something about, and they use some creativity in this offense, sure. But most of the time, guys, they're just handing this thing off to this kid, and he's doing some special stuff. I'm not trying to demean Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy at all. Like they are, they are doing a great job scheme wise, but sometimes you just let the great ones cook and they've got a great one. Uh, it's, it is a pleasure to watch this kid play each week. I mean, it is poetry in motion. This kid hits and, and they're opening some holes for him, but boy, does he make no mistake yesterday? I was a little upset. Devin Neal was dancing a little bit. And I've seen guys, not just him, you know, the guys across the conference like to dance. This, this kid doesn't like to dance. He wants to hit the hole and go. All right. He is, uh, he, he sees that thing. He goes for it. I love everything about this kid and he's getting better as the season rolls on. I was a little worried. They might keep him on a snap count just because you want to make sure, you know, you don't tire this kid out because you know, big game next week, obviously too. And he's getting a lot of touches as the game rolls on. They say, and as the season rolls on, this kid's getting better. And, and seriously, like as the season's going along, he's getting better. And late in these games, he's sealing the deal. This guy is the exclamation point. This guy is the stamp on the letter. He is everything you'd want and more. I mean, your quarterback does not have to be that good when you block like this and you got a back like this. It's, it is poetry in motion. It is, sim you know, these guys are on the same page. Oklahoma State is fun to watch and not for the reasons that you usually think. It looks like 2021 and it could be 2021 on all over again. That South Alabama game is way in the past. That Iowa State game is way in the past. They're a different team now. They punch above their weight class? I don't know. I guess we'll see next week, right? But Oklahoma does not look like... Like, Texas looks a little bit different. Oklahoma does not look like Texas looks like. And I think Oklahoma State's got a good shot at beating them next week. And that leads us, guys... You know, you kind of think about this week and you look forward to next week and what's on the docket. Um... Week 10 of the Big 12 is, you know, it could be a really special week, right? TCU, Texas Tech on Thursday night in a game that, you know, somebody's got to win. And we're talking about a bowl game. That's a must win, I think, for both of those teams. Then 11 a.m. on Fox on Saturday, K-State in Texas. 2.30 on ABC, Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Then at nighttime, 6 o'clock ESPN, Kansas and Iowa State. Every single window big game that matters to the big 12 title race it's november it's gonna be november when when we uh, get there strap in it's gonna be a fun time 
All right, folks, the Big 12 Watch. We're rebranding it all. All right, no longer the Neighborhood Watch. We're now going to be the Big 12 Watch here on Crystal Ball College Football. Find us wherever you all get your podcasts and more. Once again, at NWPod365 on Twitter. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore a five and one week ATS. Get on board right now. Uh, make sure you all yeah, follow for those picks. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. That helps as well. All right, folks, talk to you next time.